So today we're going to talk about suffering because Peter, in, in the book of 1 Peter, he mentions the word suffering more than he mentions any other word. He talks about suffering more than he talks about Jesus. Peter talks a lot about suffering, and, and I think it's interesting because if you understand who Peter is, you understand he got himself into a lot of trouble, right? Peter himself had to suffer. Peter himself was crucified. Um, he watched all of his friends get crucified or get murdered or get um, beheaded. Like, he saw his friends suffer, but most importantly, he watched Christ suffer. So Peter has this understanding of what suffering means, and he's got an understanding of, of how to suffer, what it looks like to suffer the right way. And so today, I want to go through and just give you some, some thoughts on how to suffer the right way. But first, we need to understand what suffering is and what it isn't, okay? So, so there's different types of suffering. There are some types of suffering that we endure, there's some suffering that we endure. And, and when, I, when I say that, I want you to think of this. The words that we use in the Bible, trials, persecution, sorrow, grief, sickness. Uh, a lot of times, even as a Christian, you're going to be persecuted. And so there is some suffering that you endure. I talk to people all the time. We have to counsel with people and work with people that, that have gone through a death in the family. Listen, because someone dies in your family doesn't mean that you give up and quit. There are, there are aspects of suffering or grief that you go through that you have to endure. You have to make it through to the other side of it. Whenever you're persecuted, Jesus, the Bible says, endured the cross. So he was beaten and bruised and tortured and then murdered. He endured suffering. There's some suffering we have to endure. As a matter of fact, Jesus even says, and I'll use it later on, that we are rewarded for our endurance. There's something to be said about endurance that Jesus rewards, that God rewards. He says, I don't want you to start and not finish. I need you to finish. I need you to finish. And so it's important that we endure certain types of suffering. And then there's a type of suffering that we escape. Now, we're not going to talk about this one much today. Today we're focusing on endurance. But, but there is suffering that you escape. Uh, the Bible says that there were, there were multiple attempts to kill Jesus... But it wasn't his time. It wasn't time for the crucifixion. So because there were multiple attempts that he escaped. At one point, I think it's one of the coolest stories ever, like Super Ninja Jesus, right? Like the Bible says they're about to shove him off a cliff. And it says he just walked through the crowd. And I'm like, that is so stinking cool, man. Like, I wish if there was a big crowd around me and they're about to push me off a cliff. A, I wish I had like laser eyes and could just kill them all. B, I wish I could just walk through the crowd and no one see me. Super ninja, that's what Jesus can do. He can escape, right? And so there are some types of suffering that we need to escape. And when I'm talking about this, again, this is a whole other topic. But I'm talking about abuse. I'm talking about neglect. Um, I'm talking about even like with kids, with bullying at school. There are some aspects of suffering that you don't need to stay in. You need to get away from. So, so don't, don't come in saying, you know, my spouse is abusive, and, but I'm just going to endure no, 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 let's get, let's get you to safety. Like, we need to get out of that situation. We need to, we need to work on that. Um, so there are some aspects. Look, crime, you don't endure crime. Someone comes into your house, and they put a gun in your face, and they're saying, I'm going to take your kids. You, you beat them, right? Like, you, you kill that person. You don't allow that to happen. So, so, ladies, someone grabs you in a parking lot, and they're trying to take you to their car. You don't just say, well, I'm a Christian, therefore I endure, you know. I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. No, you hit him. 
where the sun doesn't shine, right? Multiple times until he cries like a little girl on the ground, and then you hit him again. Like, you just keep doing it. So, there's some things you escape from. Some things you escape from, some things you endure. But here, yeah, thank you. I'm passionate about that part. I think I'm passionate because I watched this video on self-defense the other day. And so that got me going. And it was all about like touching people. If you touch them in their throat and dig down, it's just so cool. And this guy just like whips all these people with just his finger. I don't know. I'm into ninjas and touching people and killing them. I don't know. It's a, it's a thing. For those of you that are new today, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. There are much better churches you should have gone to today with better preachers. But you chose this one, so you're stuck now. Because if you leave, you're going to look weird. Um, here's another thing about suffering I need you to understand. Suffering for sin is not suffering, right? Punishment for sin is not suffering. If you do something bad and you get punished for it, that is what we call your fault, right? Right? It's your fault. Um, you are reaping a bad harvest. I, I hate it whenever people are speeding down the interstate and they get pulled over by a cop. And they're like, I can't believe this is happening to me. It always happens to me. And I'm like, yeah, because you're always breaking the law. Like, stop speeding. Don't drive 90 in a 70, Beverly Carter. Right? Don't do that. And then the cops won't give you tickets. It's just, it's just a thing that I have, right? Or when kids, say, when kids say, my teacher hates me. He's always failing me. And I'm like, did you study for the test? Well, no. Your teacher didn't fail you. You failed yourself, right? So there's some suffering that's your fault. And as a matter of fact, we'll actually get scripture for this one. First Peter chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, it says this, For God is pleased when, conscious of his will, like God's pleased when you understand his will, when you're, when you're walking in the will of God, you patiently endure unjust treatment. There are times when we endure unjust treatment. Verse 20, I love how Peter throws this in. I think he throws it in because he's had to live this out, right? Peter was a guy getting rebuked by Jesus. He didn't go around saying, it's not fair, Jesus always rebukes me. He never rebukes John, right? So, so here's the thing, he says, of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Peter says, if you're doing the right thing and you still suffer, God's happy. If you're doing the wrong thing and you suffer, you get no credit for that. Can't claim it, right? So just, I need to set that up as a foundation for everything we talk about for the rest of the message today. So let's jump into the message. So today we're going to talk about how to suffer. The first thing I want you to know today, I've got four points. Um, and so the first point, the first thing you need to understand is you need to remember that everyone suffers. Everyone suffers. You are not alone. You're not by yourself in your suffering. Whatever that suffering is, and, and please understand that suffering is relative to the individual and the circumstance, right? For some of you, you may be dealing with some issues that for you is suffering, but in, the, in comparison with the Christians in Iran who are being beheaded for the name of Christ, our suffering may look small, but it's still suffering. So, so understand that everybody's suffering is different, but we all suffer. Everyone suffers. 1 Peter 4.12, and, and I'm not going to go through uh, 1 Peter verse by verse. We'll bounce around 1 Peter 
because uh, Peter talks about suffering throughout the book. And so we'll take all of his thoughts today. 1 Peter 4.12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if some strange thing were happening to you. Peter says, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked by trials. Don't be shocked by suffering. It happens to everyone. 2 Timothy 3.12. This is Paul speaking. So Peter says, don't be surprised. Paul says, yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. At some point, your faith will cause persecution. At some point, your devotion to Christ will cause a little bit of suffering. It's going to happen, Paul says. Even Jesus jumps on board in Mark chapter 13, verse 13. He says, everyone will hate you because you're my followers. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So even Jesus says we're all going to suffer, but you've got to learn how to endure. You've got to know how to suffer the right way. In 1 Peter, Peter comes back and he says this at the very end of 1 Peter, um, in chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Check this out. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. A couple of quick thoughts, a couple of quick nuggets out of that passage. I want you to understand, first of all, he says, everyone around the world, all the family of believers, they're suffering just like you. So in other words, don't think you're all by yourself. Now, notice he says that Satan is a lion that is roaring, right? He's a lion that is roaring. Some people say, well, that means that, that he's a lion without any teeth. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means he's loud. It means he uses his voice. And we know from the beginning that, that the Bible says that Satan is a deceiver. He's a liar. Jesus says lying is his native tongue. So here's the thing I want you to notice. That the Bible says, Peter says, that Satan is like a lion that is looking for someone to devour. He's roaring. He's trying to scare you. He's trying to intimidate you. And one of his lies to separate you is to say you're the only one that's suffering. If he can isolate you and make you think you're the only one going through anything, then all of a sudden you're going to despise the people around you that want to help you because they don't understand you. I may not can can go through the same problem you're going through. If you're dealing with cancer, I've never had cancer. I can't necessarily understand exactly what you're going through, but I should still be a resource and a help to encourage you and love you, and you still need to allow me into your life. You can't say, I'm the only one. You're not the only one. And when you start feeling like I'm the only one that's suffering, I'm the only one that's going through a problem, then you need to recognize that that's not God, that's Satan, and he's roaring and he's looking to separate you from the herd. Because what lions do is lions don't attack a herd of animals. Lions try to separate one out. They try to find a weak one or an old one or a young one, and they try to get them outside of the herd, and then they pounce on them. As long as you're within your herd, Satan can't get to you. But as soon as you start thinking you're the only one, you'll begin to isolate yourself. And now Satan's got you where he wants you. Point number two. <laughs> you thought that was funny? I don't like it whenever my family's in the room because they're always talking. My nephew just needs to be quiet. 
Suffering makes me stronger. Suffering makes me stronger. I'll, I don't know if you ever noticed this or not, but, but you know that the idea of muscle growth has a lot to do with suffering, right? Muscle growth has a lot to do with suffering. If you don't put your muscles or your body under some kind of stress or tension, then you get what they call atrophy. So one of my brothers-in-law um, tore his knee up one time and had to have knee surgery. Jesse, he's not here today, he's at work. So Jesse tore his knee up one time. And, and if you know Jesse, he's a very athletic person. He's, he's a very muscular person. He has muscles. And so um, when he tore his knee up, he was put in this brace or whatever, and he could not use his leg. But he would go to the gym, and he would still exercise, or he would walk around on crutches and, and all that stuff. So his right leg became very muscular. But whenever he pulled that that thing off of his left leg, the brace off his left leg, his left leg was like a stick. And it was the funniest looking thing in the world, right? So you had this big muscled up leg and this little bitty stick leg just sticking out the bottom, right? It was almost like he had a piece of string hanging off his shorts, right? It was just like, what is that little noodle there, you know? And, and so, so what had happened was he didn't use that leg. And when he didn't use that leg, his muscle began to atrophy, it began to shrink, it began to deteriorate. But when you put a muscle under strain, science tells us that whenever I put my muscle under strain by, by, by moving heavy things, by lifting heavy things, by, by um, doing difficult things with my body, yesterday, for some reason, I have no idea why, um, I signed up for an obstacle course race, which I thought I wasn't going to do anymore, but because like half the church and the gym is all doing it, I decided to do it. And then Bobby says, let's go run like four and a half miles in the woods. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm cool. I can run four and a half miles. That's good. I can do that. I need to get, I don't like, I don't like to run, but I'll go run. And then he was like, and every half mile, let's stop and do squats and lunges and push-ups and jumping jacks. And I said, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. You know, I was not prepared mentally to do that. But whenever we get out there and we begin to do our squats and jumping jacks and push-ups and all the things that we're doing, you feel your muscles begin to get sore and they begin to hurt. But here's what's happening. Science, science tells us that our muscle fibers are beginning to tear. And you're like, where is the good part, right? You are literally breaking down your muscle whenever you put it under strain. You're ripping it. You're tearing it. These little micro tears in your muscles. But then your body does an amazing thing the way God invented us. He created us like this is that, that our body begins to repair all those areas that were torn and it actually makes the muscle stronger. So what happens when I suffer? When I suffer and I endure suffering, I'm putting my mind and my spirit and my body under a strain. But listen, during that strain, I feel like I'm being broken and I am. I feel like things are being broken inside of me and they are. But it's in those broken moments that God comes in and begins to heal me. And as he heals me, he makes me stronger than I was before I went into the suffering. You need to understand that sometimes that pain is a good thing for us. Sometimes the, the issue, Paul says this, not Peter, Paul. Paul says, I'm suffering with an issue in my flesh. And I prayed to God three times for him to take it away. But God never would take it away. He, but he says... That issue in my flesh has caused me to be humble. In other words, there was some suffering Paul was going through, 
but it was actually making him more humble and less prideful and therefore a better Christian, a better servant of Christ, a better missionary, a better pastor, a better apostle. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. I want to tell you three things that, that suffering does to us to strengthen us. It proves our faith, it purifies our faith, and it perfects our faith. Check this out. 1 Peter 1, 7. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It's genuine. That means that it's being proven. It's proven to be real. When you go through trials and you endure through trials, you are proving to, to yourself and to those around you that your faith is real. It's not fake. It's not emotion. It, it, it's not, I, I was happy and now I'm saying it, 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 is, it is real. It is being tested by fire. Uh, is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So, so Peter says, number one, your trials will prove your faith. Number two, your trials will purify your faith. There are aspects of your faith or your life or my life that I don't need anymore. And, and whenever I go through a trial, I begin to see those aspects dwindle away. We'll talk about this more in a minute. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to start about halfway down through, four, uh, through 1. It says this, For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. This is an interesting thought here. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing down your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feastings and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Whenever he says this about suffering physically for Christ, you're finished with sin, what he's talking about is a different outlook on life. He says whenever you go through trials and pains and you go through suffering... He says, all of a sudden, this is where we get the word perfecting from. It's a maturing word. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you are growing into maturity. And, and what he's saying is, whenever you're going through hard times, all of a sudden your perspective changes. And the things you thought were good, or the things you thought were fun, or the things you thought were necessary, all of a sudden aren't quite as, as necessary as they used to be. Somebody that... that he, he, talks about, he talks about drunkenness here, right? So, so in wild parties, let's just throw those in. Let's use those for an example. Let's take a, let's take a, a 25-year-old coming out of college. They're, they're always out wild parties, getting drunk, sleeping around, doing whatever they're doing, right? They're just living their life. And all of a sudden, they get cancer. All of a sudden, there's, there's someone, a doctor's telling them, you've got a year to live. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when something hard like that happens, all of a sudden their perspective changes? And they're like, all that stuff I was doing doesn't really matter to me anymore like it used to. I used to think that was important, but now it's not. Why? Be because the pain, the suffering, teaches us how to mature. And when it comes to Christ, when it comes to our faith, it begins to perfect our faith. It matures us in our faith. There's a lot of times when Perry and I, honestly, we are so blessed, so blessed. We haven't had to suffer like a lot of people have. We talked about that the other day. We haven't been through um, super low lows. Uh, we've, we've had a blessed life. And we're very thankful for that. 
But I remember for our perspective of suffering, I remember times whenever we were going through some, some life issues that we were having to deal with. I remember times when, when I used to want to, and, and there's nothing wrong with what I'm about to say, but I remember times when I used to want to stay up late and, and, and watch a movie or do whatever, you know. And all of a sudden, when you start going through those hard times, it's like, you know, I, I might stay up late tonight, but I'm staying up late praying. Like, I'm staying up late because I'm getting on my face and I'm crying out to God because i got to have a miracle in my, in my life and in my family. And, and all of a sudden, things begin to shift and change whenever you go through suffering. James says this. I like James. We did summer scriptures on James uh, last year, I think, or, or year before, and I love, I love James. He's so good. He says this in James 1, 2 through 4. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. James is good, man. Number three, how do I suffer, right? How do I suffer? Well, first of all, I I need to understand that everybody suffers. Secondly, I need to understand that suffering makes me stronger. But third, I need to learn to suffer like Jesus suffered. He's the ultimate example. 1 Peter 2, uh, 21, it says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. So Peter says, Jesus has established a way of suffering. You need to learn how he suffered and follow in those steps. In in, uh, 4.1, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, So then, since Christ has suffered physical pain, You must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer, uh, suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. That's what we had just read earlier. I like how he says you must arm yourselves with the same attitude Christ had. So, so quickly, I know we got a lot to get to. Quickly, how did Jesus suffer? Number one, he suffered with humility. He suffered quietly. 1 Peter 2, uh, 22 and 23, he never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Isaiah said that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, quietly. The Gospels say even on trial he remained silent. This one is probably the most difficult one for us to do. If you go to work and your boss is persecuting you, right? None of us want to suffer in silence. We want to give him a piece of our mind because, bless God, I tell you what, you know, I am padded up to here. You know, we we start getting all this stuff. We start working up all these things and, and, and we want to just tell someone off, Right? We want to suffer, uh, we, we go through suffering, and, and we want to fight back on everything. Remember earlier I said there are cases that you escape, there are cases where you defend yourself, but, but whenever we're talking about this kind of suffering, there are times when we have to endure, and Jesus endured quietly. It's amazing. That's probably the most difficult thing for Americans. We do not know how to endure quietly. We know how to yell and scream and call someone else a name, Right? Oh, man, you wore a mask, you mask wearer. Oh, you're not wearing a mask, you non-mask wearer. I mean, like, we get, we get hyped up over the dumbest stuff. Who'd you vote for? Who'd you vote for? And we, rah, rah, rah. we get so upset. Oh, that church, they believe this. And this church, we, look, man, sometimes if you feel persecuted, 
Sometimes it's better just to keep your mouth shut. Just keep your mouth shut. We'll move on, because obviously no one's a man to me on that one. I'll just let that one hang. Y'all can take that one home, see what happens. Jesus suffered with prayer. I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to go into all the verses, but um, in the Gospels it says that, that Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him um, while he was suffering, getting ready to go to the cross, right? And, and he tells Peter, James, and John, could you just pray with me for an hour? Can you do, just hang out and stop sleeping like they kept falling asleep? He said, will you please stop sleeping and just pray with me? Listen, we need to suffer with prayer. When you're going through suffering, don't use that as a place to, to complain. Use that as a place to pray. And let me tell you something else that I think is interesting. Jesus took people with him to pray with him. There is no reason why you should suffer alone. If you're dealing with something, the Bible says that we should bear one another's burdens. If Doug is dealing with an issue, it's not that Doug's going to get on Facebook and tell everybody in the world um, how mean Shannon is to him, right? That's stupid. Don't do that, right? No one wants to hear that mess. But if Doug comes to me and he's like, hey, Gabriel, listen, I'm dealing with something, Shannon, you know, she doesn't like my long hair. And so we're having this issue, right? And so can you pray with me? And then what I do is I pray with Doug and, and Doug and I are praying together about it. And now Doug knows that no matter what happens, I've got Gabriel praying with me. I've got someone supporting me. I've got someone else that loves me and cares for me and, and wants to help me in this situation. So we, we've got to suffer with humility. We've got to suffer with prayer. And then thirdly, we've got to suffer with purpose. Jesus always had a purpose for his suffering. He understood that whenever he dies on the cross, that there's a purpose behind that, and that is to save us from our sins. And so there was nothing that was going to stop him from dying on that cross. That's why when they tried to push him off the ledge, he recognized, hey, if they push me off this ledge, this isn't saving anybody from their sins. This isn't what was foretold. This isn't the prophecy. I'm out. You know, I'm going to walk through the crowd. But he knew that the cross meant something. Mark 8, 33. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples Well, let me just set this up. So Jesus tells the disciples, I've got to suffer. I've got to die on the cross. Peter was like, no, you don't. Like Peter's like feisty, right? And so Jesus says, he says, then he reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan. I love it. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Jesus said this to Peter. He said, there's a purpose that you don't understand, obviously. You can only see the human perspective. You can't see God's perspective. And the suffering I'm about to endure, God knows what's happening and you don't. So keep your mouth shut. Jesus was tough. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse uh, 18. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. If you're a sinner today, you need to understand something. Christ loves you and he died for you right? He suffered a physical death for you, but he was raised to life in the spirit. He had a purpose behind his suffering. And let me tell you something. Sometimes we have a purpose behind our suffering too. Sometimes that purpose, like I said earlier, is to make you stronger. There are some things that need to change in your life and the suffering you go through. I'm not saying God put suffering on you, but I'm saying that he may have allowed some suffering to happen to you. And whenever you go through that suffering, you need to understand there's a purpose in this suffering. There's a reason I'm dealing with this issue. And it might be because there's some things that need to change in me. Maybe I need to be more humble. Maybe I need to be more generous. Maybe, maybe there's some things that need to change in me. But then there's another aspect of that purpose. And that is this, that maybe... My suffering can be a light to someone else. 
Maybe if someone else sees me suffering and they see me suffering like Christ, they don't see me complaining and retaliating and being violent and burning it down. If they look at me suffering and they see me being quiet and humble, if they look at me suffering and they don't hear me whining, but they see me praying, if they look at me suffering, right, and they see that I've got a purpose behind my suffering, then it becomes a witness. Uh, 1 Peter three thirteen says this, Now who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't, be, so don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Sometimes my suffering, the way I suffer, opens a door for someone else to find out about Christ. The last thing that Jesus suffered with is he suffered with hope. Hebrews 12, 20, uh, 12 2 says... Um, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, who initiates and perfects our faith. That's what we've been talking about this whole time. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. In other words, Jesus had a joy, he had a hope, he had something he was looking forward to that allowed him to endure the pain. Yesterday when I'm running with Bobby, I've got my GPS going and I know how long the trail is. Right. I've got a hope that whenever my watch gets to four and a half miles, I'm going to be back at my car sitting down drinking water. So then whenever I'm two miles in and my legs are cramping and my calves are hurting and my toes hurt, I can know, hey, if I just endure a little bit longer, I've got this hope ahead of me. Right. I've already talked to Bobby. He already told me we're quitting after four and a half miles. So therefore, I've got hope. There's a reward for me at the end, and it helps me to endure. Now, if I would have gone out there and Bobby said, hey, man, we're going to go running. We're going to run. And I'm like, okay, great. How far are we going to run? I don't know, man. We're just going to run. We're going to just run and see what happens. Like, we're going to run until our legs fall off. Who knows? I don't know if I'm running one mile. I don't know if I'm doing five laps on a four and a half mile loop. I don't know what's going to happen. So then I get two miles in and my leg starts hurting a little bit. You know what I do? Peace. I'm out. Can't do it, man. I've got no hope. I don't know what's going to happen to me. So, so Jesus gives us hope. In, in 1 Peter th- uh, 1, 3 through 6, it says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. I love this. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Another word for expectation is hope. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Pure and undefiled. Beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation. Which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Paul says this, I mean, Peter says this. He says there's an inheritance waiting for you in heaven. It's called salvation. And he, he also says that Jesus will strengthen you until you get there. I love that. But, but he says there's this inheritance. Look, I, I think all the time recently I've been thinking about retirement. I'm, I mean, I'm ready to give it up. I'm just kidding. I make my wife mad all the time because I'm like, babe, I'm just going to end up dying on stage one day. Like, I'm going to be like 85 years old. And she's like, that's it. You know, Peter said, done. 
And, and so, so we talk about that all the time. She's like, you know, you need to prepare for retirement, save money, whatever. And so, so I've been looking at retirement. But, but I was looking at my retirement fund, and I, I look back over the last, I don't know, however many, however many years, and I watch how sometimes that retirement is up, and sometimes that retirement is down, right? I have no control over it. Peter says this. He says, there's an inheritance waiting for you in heaven that is pure and undefiled and nobody can touch it. The stock market doesn't matter. The, the, the government can't mess with it. Like this is set aside just for you. And if you will just endure for a little while, you're going to make it to that. So I may be suffering, I may be dealing with stuff, but I'm thinking the whole time, look, there's a reward for me in heaven. There's a place for me that God has set up. I may have to go through this life, and and we may feel like we'll be able to, Gabriel, how long are you going to live? We may live 85 years. In the light of eternity, 85 years is very, very small. It's very, very small. And so I know if I endure for a little while, I'm going to receive a reward. That's my hope. Let me end. i got to get done. I'm looking at my watch. i got... Five minutes. And let's see what we can do in five minutes. Here we go. The final thought is this. God is with us in the suffering. God is with us in the suffering. I put up here Isaiah 43 too. Um, you can put that up there, Kim, if you want to. But this is like my favorite verse in the whole Bible. I say that every week, but this one really is. Um, but, it, but it says this. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire... Um, of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. I love that verse because here's what it says. It says, A, you're going to go through some stuff. B, I'm going to be with you. C, it says go through. It doesn't say stay in. In other words, there's a beginning and there's an end and I'm going to come out on the other side because the Bible says God will be with me through it all. It's one of my favorite verses. It's a great verse. But 1 Peter chapter 5 might become one of my second favorite verses. This one's really good. 1 Peter 5.10, check this out. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So, after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. Here's how I want to end the message today. I just want to quickly go through those words because I think they're important. He says he will restore you. We sang a song earlier and Bobby referenced it where it said, and you picked up all my pieces and put me back together. The word restore literally means to take, um, take parts that fit together exactly and put them back where they belong. Some of you feel broken in your suffering And God says, when you've suffered a little while, I'm going to show up and I'm going to restore you. I was talking to my friend Chris just the other day and he was telling me about a a vehicle he had bought. And and when he bought the vehicle, there was was one little thing wrong with it and and he was taking it to a a mechanic. And when he took it to a mechanic, the, the mechanic was like, oh, you know what? This is a piece of trash. I'll buy it from you for $400. Chris thought that was pretty shady, so... So he took it to another mechanic who's a friend of ours. And, and when he took it to, to Connor, Connor looked at it and said, man, this is, a great, this is a great vehicle. Connor looked at something that was older and had a few flaws, but Connor said, no, this is a great vehicle. He said, give it to me for a little while. Let me work on it. 
So he gave it to Connor. Connor fixed up the engine, made everything look nice, made everything work. There was a few holes here and there. Connor patched it up like brand new. And then, and then Chris said, well, since the engine is good and it runs well, he said, I might give this to my daughter. So, so he says, I've got to fix this thing up on the outside, cosmetically. So he sends it off to a guy in, in like Arkansas, right? He ships it to Arkansas, spends thousands of dollars. And he said the guy in Arkansas went in and put a brand new windshield and, and brand new paint and, 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 and new tires and new rims and, and, and put new fenders and just, just started doing all this stuff. Fitting this vehicle back together, restoring it to the point that it was better than it was even in the original state. Now it had been driven and, 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 and run hard or whatever, you know, put up wet, like they say. But whenever it got put in the hands of somebody who knew what they were doing, when it got put in the hands of a mechanic that had a little bit of love, right, a little bit of relationship, when it was put in the hands uh, of an expert uh, restorer, all of a sudden, everything gets fit and put back together better than it was before. That's what God wants to do to you. He wants to restore your life. The second thing it says is to support. Support in the Greek there means to confirm, establish, or prop something up. Support means means not only am I going to pick you up and set you up, but now I'm going to get behind you and I'm going to support you even if you're weak and you feel like you're going to topple over, I'm going to support you. It's like having a support beam. If you look at, at, at this building, if you can strip away all the drywall and you can see these, these beams right here that come up, these are support beams. They're strong and they're powerful and they hold up the rest of the building. And God says, I want to be the support beam in your life. When you feel like you're caving in, I'm going to come in and I'm going to support you and hold you up. The word strengthen you there means something very interesting. All of you guys that that work out with me, you'll get this really quick. Because the word strengthen there in the Greek, literally, I'm not kidding, I didn't make this up. In the Greek it means to make strong, as to be mobile, or move in a way that achieves something in the most effective way. In other words... Strength in there doesn't mean he's going to make you strong to sit. It's not a static strength. It's a functional strength. I want to strengthen you for a purpose that you're going to do something with that strength. Have you ever seen people that have big muscles, but they can't use them for nothing? Right? But you get somebody that's got some functional strength. They may not have the biggest show muscles in the world, but they got all the go muscles in the world, right? They can do something with it. And the Bible says that God wants to strengthen you, not static, but functional. Functional strength. Why? Because he's got a purpose and a plan for you, and it's not to sit down in your, in your suffering. It's to get up and do something. As a matter of fact, let me use this illustration. How much time do I have? Yikes. Let me tell you this. This is a good story. So Perry and I and the kids watch this show called Alone. I was talking to Bobby about it yesterday. I was talking to Andrew about it. I'm like, guys, you've got to watch Alone. It's so good. It's a History Channel show. It's a contest. And they take these survival experts and throw them out on an island by themselves, no one around. And they just say, here you go, survive, baby. See what you got. 
And it's, it's interesting to watch the show evolve from season one to like season eight. We just watched season eight. As a matter of fact, the other night we stayed up, we binge watched like the last three episodes until midnight. My kids were up at midnight watching alone. And I'm asleep on the couch, of course. But um, So we stay up and watch alone. And it's amazing, like, like the guy who wins season eight versus the guy who won season one. The guy who won season one is a lot like most Christians in this world. He was suffering and he was hurting and he was only about, I don't know, maybe, maybe 40 or 50 days into survival, but he had gotten to the point in his survival where he wasn't catching food anymore. He had gotten to where he was, he was trying to catch mice and eat mice if he could. And then he, the mice ran out, right? Like he's got no mice, he's got no fish, he's got no nothing. And, and I was watching the show, and, and you never know, the contestants don't know if anybody else has, is still out there or not. You're just hoping you're the last one and the last guy wins or the last girl wins. And I watched, I remember season one, you remember the guy, Perry, he just, he just laid in his bed all day, starving to death, just laying in his bed. And he's like, I, I just can't get up. He had built this little shelter. He's like, I'm just going to lay here. I'm going to lay here and just hope that someone else taps out. Like, I'm going to just lay here and hope that everybody else quits and I can go home. It was the most brutal way to win a show I've ever seen in my life. But the last guy, season eight, if you're going to watch it, I'm about to ruin it for you. But season eight guy, like Roland, Roland's crazy, man. Roland killed a muskox. He didn't just shoot it with his bow and arrow, primitive bow and arrow. No, he shot it and then he ran at it with a knife and stabbed it and ran away and ran back and stabbed it again. Roland kills this muskox and cuts him open and takes some meat and just eats it right there. He's crazy. Roland beat a porcupine to death with a stick and then ate him like a man. I'm just telling you, man. So listen to this. Roland built, Roland built a house. Like he got rocks and logs. He built a house, front door, fireplace. Like, like this other guy was literally like living under a tree with a tarp. Roland has a house. He's got a bed. Roland has enough food. He built a cooler. He built a cooler out of wood, like out of logs. He built this cooler and he's got big, just all the ox, the, the musk ox meat down in this cooler. And every day he's getting out new pieces of meat and he's eating meat and he's just thriving and he's having a great time and he'll go fishing. He lasted 100 days and had enough meat to keep going. What's the difference? One guy had functional strength and one guy had static strength. The guy with static strength was just hoping. He just laid. And this is what most Christians do. They go through some suffering and then just, oh, I just hope Jesus will come back soon. But the guy with the functional strength, he says, I may be going through some suffering right now. I may be dealing with some issues, but you know what? I'm going to thrive even in my suffering. I'm going to go out and win as many people as I can to Christ, even though I'm suffering, even though I'm hurting, even though I'm down and out. I may not have all the money in the world. I may be having to scrape some stuff together, but I'm going to love on people. Got functional strength. This is where we got to end, right here. The last one, you can stand up. Last one, I promise. He says, place you on a firm foundation. The word there means to lay a foundation or to be grounded. 
me tell you something, what God wants to do, we live in a world, we live in a world full of shifting sand. We live in a world where culture dominates even the church. This church isn't perfect. I am definitely not perfect. You know that. But my goal in life is to let God establish me to to build me on a firm foundation, which is the Word of God. I want to build everything on that. And the Bible says that you may be, you may feel like you're in the middle of a storm. You may feel like you're out in the middle of the ocean and there's no, everything is a moving target. And the Bible says that God will come in and He wants to establish you. He doesn't say He's going to give everybody a Rolls Royce. He says He's going to establish you and give you a firm foundation that you can build your life on. Amen. Why don't you close your eyes with me this morning? There may be some of you right now, even those that are watching on, online, there may be some of you right now and you're going through some suffering today. You're dealing with some issues today. You've got a storm happening all around you today. Can I tell you something? God knows exactly where you are. You are not alone. He loves you. He cares for you. And He wants to step in and restore you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to put you on a firm foundation today. You've got to know how to suffer. You've got to suffer the right way. We've got to suffer like Christ suffered. Because God wants to use you for His glory. If that's you this morning and you're dealing with a storm, just slip your hand up right now. Wherever you are, just slip your hand up. I just want to pray for you today. If that's you and you're going through some storms in life, yeah. Lord Jesus, I just pray for everybody with their hands raised right now. And I just speak peace over the storm today. I speak restoration over the broken pieces today. God, I pray today, God, for those that feel weak and lost, God, that you would strengthen them today. You would put them on a firm foundation today. God, I pray for those that are sick and that are suffering today that you would strengthen them to endure, to endure through the suffering. God, I pray that you give them purpose and destiny and hope like never before. Even with our eyes closed today, if you're, if you're not serving Jesus Christ today, I hope that through Peter's words that you understand that He loves you and He cares for you. And if you will serve Him, like Peter says, as your Lord and Savior, if you will follow Him and live for Him and accept Him today, that He wants to change your life. It's not going to stop the storm, but you'll have somebody on the boat that can get you to the other side. So if you're not serving Jesus today, I would invite you today to to just pray to Him. Call out to Him today. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I repent. I don't want to stay like this. I don't want to act like this. I don't want to keep doing the old things I've been doing. I want to turn away from those, and I want to turn towards You. I want to serve You as my Savior, the one that forgives me of my sins, but also as my Lord, the one that leads me and guides me into right living. So God, I I devote my life to you today. I give you my heart. I give you all that I have. Please forgive me of my sins. Don't let me stay the same. I repent. I change. I don't want to be like I used to be. I want to be who you've called me to be. I want to make it to the other side of this storm with you. In Jesus' name. Thank you.